This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, If you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They got everything from comic books to signed wrestling figures, signed wrestling pictures, signed sports memorabilia, anything you need or want, they have it. Best thing is they ship worldwide and they update daily, so please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Metal Gear Solid, World of Warcraft, Super Mario Bros. 3, and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at BossFightBooks.com And if you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products Please visit LegacySubs.com And use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off They have everything from sleep aid to muscle building Anything you need or want This is not only geared towards your athletes For everyday people Makes you feel great, makes you feel better They are Legacy Sports Nutrition. Please visit them at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me directly and monetarily, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device you're listening to on. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs, phone cases, anything you need or want. It is literally there. But the most important thing, the freest thing, the best thing you should be doing each and every week if you haven't already is rate, subscribe, review, on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest has wrestled all over the world for such promotions as Ring of Honor, WWE, Evolve, AEW, NJPW, and now currently for Impact Wrestling. Professional wrestler, the Southern Savior, John Schuyler. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for being here. How are you doing today, my friend? How's everything? I'm, I'm great. I'm uh, excited to talk to you about 
pro wrestling and everything else that we uh, that we have in common in our, our, our common interests, I should say. Well, I want to start off with you're wearing a whiskey shirt, so I'm assuming you're a big whiskey drinker then. <laughs> well, so this is actually like a Chris Stapleton T-shirt. Oh, okay, I didn't know. Okay, now yeah. I see it. Yeah. Gotcha. It does say it does say whiskey, and I am a big whiskey drinker. Uh, you know, I'm a big uh, Jack Daniels uh, okay. fan, so uh, you know. It, it, it is topical, uh, the, the whiskey shirt. So, whiskey, Chris Stapleton, it all, it's all relevant. Now, do you have it straight, or do you mix it with anything? Uh, typically, just your classic Jack and Diet. Uh, okay. I am a professional athlete, so I have to kind <laughs> of, uh, I have to be cautious of what I mix it with. And sometimes, if I'm shooting it, I'm going to shoot it straight. But uh, if I'm going to be sipping on Jack Daniels, usually a, a mixer of Jack and Diet, Jack and uh, Coke Zero, something like that. Now, in all your travels around the world, have you wrestled up here in Canada? Yes, I have. Uh, uh, more in the Newfoundland area. Okay. Um, yeah, I've done uh, two or three tours up, oh, nice. up that way. Um, I, I, I love Canada. I've always enjoyed coming to Canada. And uh, I really hope, you know, being with Impact Wrestling and having a huge Canadian contingency on our right. roster, I'm hoping that uh, with Impact Wrestling, I can make my way back up there soon. Okay, so the reason why I ask about coming to Canada, have you tried our whiskey then? I'm sure I have at some point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I remember trying your whiskey, that's another story. Well, if you do come back up here, well, obviously you will now with everything going back to normal. And like you said, with impact and everything, you got to try. It's called Wiser's. Uh, it's not really available in the States, but uh, I don't know how it. I'm sorry, I have to say, but you know, you're, you're a Jack drinker. I, I, to me, it's better than Jack's. I know a lot of people up here love Jack too. The big thing is Jack and Coke up here and people love it. But me, it's just Wiser's. I don't know what it is. It's just something. It's so smooth. It doesn't feel like I'm even getting drunk off of it. And you could like, it's one of those whiskeys you could drink all night. Hell yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to giving it a try. So do you actually still go by the nickname Southern Savior? Because you don't really hear that on Impact, do you? Uh, not, no, no, not necessarily on Impact. Uh, it's kind of been alluded to through commentary and things like okay. that. But uh, on, on the independence that I'm still available to do, um, and on the rare occasion that I do independence, uh, yeah, the Southern Savior is a, a name that I came up with over a decade ago, which is crazy to say, uh, oh, wow. you know, because I've been wrestling almost 14 years. It'll be 14 years this July, uh, um, but the Southern Savior is just a name I came up with, and it's a uh, it's a brand that I've built over the last ten years or so. Uh, so yeah, on the on the independence, I still go by that, and uh, I think they even called me that at New Japan uh, oh, on New okay. Japan Strong. So right. it's definitely a name that's still alive and well. Now, did you ever have any other nicknames, even like before you got started, or you thought of that you at the time you thought was the best shit, but then you're like, oh my god, what was I thinking? <laughs> Uh, so my original trainer was this guy named Bob Keller, who was okay. kind of a journeyman wrestler. He kind of helped break me in in 2008. Um, and uh, later on, I would train with uh, Steve Carino. Nice. And, uh, you know, but Bob, when I first broke in, kind of gave me the name The New Sensation because I was like a, <laughs> uh, I was like a newer, like high-flying type guy, I guess, sure. uh, in 2008 when I broke in. And uh, Bob, I guess, had heard that NXS song, New Sensation. Oh, and uh, okay. he was like, oh, you know, I don't think anybody's ever gone by that. Well, the only problem with that <laughs> is after a year or two, you're not new anymore. Right. So I was trying to think, well, I can't be the new sensation forever, so I've got to come up with something. And when I first broke in, I was kind of doing almost like um, 
like the Michael Hayes '80s hairband type guy, uh, where okay. uh, you know a little bit of Southern rock was that was kind of the gimmick. It was a little more ha ha. Uh, also, kind of like what Jericho did in WCW in like '98. Um, I would wear the top knot yep. hairstyle and all that, and uh, <laughs> I didn't want to be seen as a comedy guy my my whole career because sure. there's an old saying, or there was anyways, that funny you don't draw money, right? And um, I just didn't want to. Be, uh, I didn't want to have that comedy wrestler stigma attached to me. So when I went a little more serious uh, with my character, I changed everything over to the Southern Savior. And you know what? It's true. You, it's good to be funny and being able to play that role, but to be stuck in it for your whole career, that's when it's... I think that's where the saying actually comes from. F- funny doesn't draw or doesn't make money, right? Because look at all the big acts the rock like you know what i mean you named the jericho they're all hilarious people so obviously they drew so you can't really say funny doesn't equal money uh, yeah but like anything else you know uh, those guys have evolved and that's why they exactly have career longevity uh and great longevity at that so uh like anybody else i've tried to evolve over my career and sure. just to say that uh you know there's not a new nickname or a new gimmick or whatever character right around the corner that I just haven't stumbled across yet. Yeah, no, for sure. Exactly. Now, before you got into wrestling, I was reading somewhere that you were a pretty high caliber soccer player, my friend. Is is this true? Yeah, that is true. Uh, I played all through my childhood, played through high school. Oh shit. Uh, Probably could have played in college. I had, I had a couple offers from three different schools. Right. Uh, play and uh by the time i got to college i was just burnt out on it um like i had done it since i was four years old and um you know i really dedicated all my formidable years in like high school Mm. to training and getting ready for the soccer season and uh you know that was like all my focus and time and attention was spent on that for four or five six years so uh, after high school, I was just kind of ready to decompress and do something else. And uh, I kind of always knew in the back of my mind I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Okay. So that's where I started kind of shifting my focus and attention. Now, are you still a soccer fan? Do you still follow the sport at all? Yeah, I still am a huge fan of the English Premier League. Uh, okay. I've actually been... Uh, I've been to a Man U game uh, nice. when they played Barcelona, but it was here in the States. They actually uh-huh. did like an American tour right. where... Uh, they played Barcelona at Levi Stadium nice. where, uh, out in California. So uh, me and my dad, my brother, we all went out there and watched Man U play. And this is when Rooney was still on the team. And, uh, uh, you know, it was cool to see Rooney live. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just, you know that team. Yeah. So I'm a big Man U fan. And, um, you know, and I'm a big English Premier fan. I think it's a bit the best, uh, the best league in the world. Well, yeah, for me it is because to like you could people argue that the Italian and the Spanish league have all the so-called top stars, but you go down all the way and it's like you have the top tier, like what is it, maybe four or five teams that are always there and nothing else. And the English Premier League, it's 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 like over here, like our North American sports, where it rotates all the time depending on who's on what team, right? So I, I could see that you saying that the Premier, but for myself being Portuguese background, obviously soccer runs in my blood. I don't really. I hate saying I don't enjoy it because it, it, it is a cool game. What I don't like is the antics, the, the flagrant acting and, and all that sort of type stuff. Like, like, you know what I mean? Now, you being a, a former player, did you do any of those antics yourself? Or were you more of like the North American style, like sort of like our football, like you just hit and keep on going? Uh, 
so I was a defensive back because um, okay. if anybody's followed my wrestling career, they know I'm a bit uh, shorter in stature but thick, and that's kind of always how my, that's always been my body type. Is, oh, okay. Um, you know, I've so I fit well as a defensive back, but um, yeah, yeah, like right now I'm at I'm like five seven five eight, okay. uh, right at 215 pounds, and uh, you know that was kind of always my frame. Even in even back then, so I was more in the game to kind of push guys off the ball. Uh, but every once in a while, you know, if it called for it, yeah, I would I would flop maybe to get a penalty kick or something like that for my team. But yeah, usually I was the one that was unfortunately getting the fouls called against me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. How about the World Cup? Are you going to follow it? Uh, so I, I haven't been following the World Cup. Uh, oh, never been to qualifiers. Okay. Uh, as as much as I should be. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm always interested. I'm sure like when it comes time and comes crunch time, I'll definitely be following what's going on. Um, sure. it's just, life's been pretty crazy here lately. I could only imagine. Now, did you ever think of, or has anyone ever presented to you a soccer gimmick for wrestling? <laughs> no, and it's something I thought about as a kid, okay. uh, you know, but I just don't know how it would play out. I don't know how it would fit. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid watching WWF, uh, that was kind of like at the height of the silly gimmicks, right. like the goon and Duke the Dumpster Drossy and sure. Adam Bomb and Doink the Clown and, and all that. So I would hate, as much as uh, I have fond memories of watching wrestling as a kid, right. uh, I would hate to be kind of, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that silly gimmick stigma attached to me, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes sense too. Of course, of course. So, how did you become a fan? You said you watched WWF. Is that? Do you have your earliest memories of always being a wrestling fan, or did you get into it late? Uh, yeah, no. Ever since I was a kid, I grew up in a small town, uh, Blythewood, South Carolina, right outside of Columbia. Okay. And um, so, wrestling has obviously always been really popular here in the South. And uh, I had an older brother, so I kind of latched onto him from an early age. Uh, anything he he liked, I liked too. Sure. Just because I wanted to hang out with him and his friends. <laughs> of course. Uh, and he kind of went through his wrestling phase. Um, early on, I remember watching uh, some of the Monday Night Raws from the Manhattan Center. Mm. And the one thing that really got me hooked was um, there was a Monday Night Raw that opened up with Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect, and they were fighting in the streets of New York City. Right. And uh, Mr. Perfect takes Shawn and he throws him on the hood of the car, and Shawn goes through the windshield, and like it's just this big brawl. And at an early age, I was just like, my jaw dropped. Like, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really where I got hooked. Became a big Mr. Perfect fan, big Bret Hart fan, yep. big Shawn Michaels fan. And, um, uh, I think from then then on, I I think probably the Iron Man match between Brett and Sean is what really made me want to become a pro wrestler. Okay. Uh, but I was a big fan of everything, too. So I'd, I'd, not just WWF, but like WCW would come two to three times a year to my hometown. And uh, the first wrestling show I ever went to, uh, it's kind of a full circle story, which is crazy. Uh, the first wrestler I ever saw wrestle live was the enforcer, Arn Anderson. Wow. And here we are. You know, that was in 1993, and now here right. we are in 2022, and Arn has been a pivotal part of my career. Uh, and he's been somebody that has uh, become a mentor of mine. So it's kind of crazy uh, thinking back at him being the first wrestler I ever saw wrestle live, and now here he, are, here he, he is several years later. He's a huge part of my life. That is crazy how it works. But then again, that's how you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? Absolutely. 
No, for sure. For now, you mentioned it too. One of your trainers, you mentioned the word journeyman. Now that has a big stigma to some people. You've even been labeled a journeyman. What, what do you think of the word journeyman? Is it a good thing, a bad thing, or do, does it even matter? Um, I can see where it can be perceived as a bad thing, but I've always looked at it as a positive because uh, I'm very proud of my career and I'm very proud of all the places I've been. Of course. Uh, what would I be doing otherwise? I'd, I'd probably be having. An, <laughs> a nine to five office job somewhere and i'd be miserable sure so uh that's not to say that wrestling doesn't have its hardships of course it does like any other job but um you know i'm very proud of the 14 years that i put in and i don't think uh it's anything to snuff at uh being like now when i perform on impact wrestling or on new japan pro wrestling uh, I, I, the reason i feel like i'm so seasoned is because of that 14 years of experience. Of course. Uh, all my friendships that I have right now in life, with the exception of one or two, are friends that I met through pro wrestling. All the relationships I've had were people I met in pro wrestling. Uh, the places I've been uh, all over the world, I've only gotten to go to because of pro wrestling. So uh, to me, journeyman is, is, is a complete positive. Uh, if I'm labeled a journeyman, then I'm labeled a journeyman. But um, I think... The thing about wrestling too that's so fascinating is if you have talent and you kind of stick it out and grind it out something's going to fall into your lap and i think i'm living proof of that i've always been able to keep a job in some form or fashion in pro wrestling and i think that's going to be the case uh as long as i want it to be uh i think when i'm ready to hang it up and call it quits it's going to be on my terms yeah exactly and to to make the assumption into sports like you're the utility guy for baseball you could put it you anywhere in any position so any promotion and you would fit in clearly with without missing a beat again because of your years of traveling around the world seeing different styles now imagine if you were just stuck always in say south carolina wrestling always the same shows over and over you'd nowhere be where you're at obviously right no yeah 100 percent. that's the case for anybody um I, I don't i even don't even mind being labeled a utility guy because they, they have value on any team exactly. a utility guy yeah. and um I've even heard guys like D'Lo Brown and Tommy Dreamer at Impact tell me I'm a utility guy because if they need somebody to go out and uh, wrestle a local for four or five minutes and see what they got, I'm the guy that they call upon. It's no different than like Sean Waltman and what he was in the WWF. Sure. Um, he's that guy that came to the back and was either thumbs up or thumbs down when a new talent came in. Um, Good comparison. You know, I think I've got the respect of my peers and even um, people higher up that uh, – they know if somebody can't have a good match with me, then there there might not the, the future might be uh, a little gloomy for that person because uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard to have a bad match with me if I can say so myself without sounding braggadocious. <laughs> no, but again, it's wrestling. You have to, right? You got to put yourself over, my friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who else is going to put you over if you don't put yourself over? Exactly, and that even goes for now in real life too. For example, if if you don't put yourself out there, then nothing's going to happen. But going back to the international stuff of wrestling around the world what's been some of your favorite play not per se like arenas or stuff but just towns to visit and the people and all that that you've encountered throughout your years of wrestling uh i really enjoy anytime i get to go over to the uk and europe okay. uh i love i love england love scotland love wales uh always great wrestling towns great wrestling cities great wrestling fans sure. um you know especially over there because it still seems to be like uh a lot of families that come to the shows right and they're always to see wrestling uh you know you have your 
fair share of smart fans over there as well, but they just sure. always seem so enthusiastic, even the smart fans. Uh, you know, as to where sometimes here in the U.S., you can wrestle in front of a smart crowd, yeah. and they're just so uh, critical. And uh, it almost <laughs> seems like they're spending more time on their phones writing a review than they are actually watching the action. Ah, good so, point. I mean, when I, uh, when I was a kid, even when I got up to where I was in high school, I mean, I was still going to wrestling shows. And uh, I was still just enthusiastic to be there and see these larger-than-life characters. Uh, you know, thankfully, where I grew up, we didn't really have the internet a lot when I was a kid because sure. it's kind of in the middle of nowhere in the uh, South. But, um, I mean, we barely basic, had basic cable. But, uh, you know, so I had the privilege of not getting uh, exposed like the internet in the dirt sheets until later on. Uh, and so it wouldn't really ruin the experience for me as a fan. Uh, even when I became a bit smarter to the business, or so I thought, uh, you know, I would still go to these shows and uh, I would still just be in awe of the uh, the pyro and the entrances and the actual wrestling part of it as well. So right. um, I don't even remember what your question was now because I've been rambling. But, uh, you know, uh, oh, my favorite places to visit. <laughs> there it is. Uh, and, and like I said earlier, I love uh, I love Canada and uh, here in the U.S., you know, I always love wrestling in Chicago. Um, okay. Always a great wrestling town. Uh, the New York area is great. Sure, uh, of course. Uh, the Maryland area is great. Florida, Georgia. I mean, uh, Texas. You know, there's a lot of good wrestling cities, towns, and states here in the U.S. as well. Yeah, no and doubt. Of course, Carolinas. I gotta, I gotta say the Carolinas, of course, right? <laughs> of course, of course. Now, do you think that the fans are spoiled or is it because of just like being overexposed or like the curtain's been pulled back and everyone knows what's going on? What do you think it is that is missing from like the audience? Because again, other than sometimes, I guess uh, the best show, I guess, to compare to would be like something like Dynamite where the fans are just crazy out of their seats. Like even old school, the gold brand of NXT, that was crazy rabbit fans like from back in the days, like the 90s, so, so to speak. What do you think is missing from today's fan to get to that level again? Uh, to answer your question, I think it's a little bit of everything that you just mentioned. I do think sometimes they're a little bit spoiled, uh, especially when you look at like an episode of Dynamite. I think you know they're getting a lot of stuff that people would normally pay for to see on pay per view, and they're getting it for free on a True. weekly television show. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, um, but does it spoil a fan? Sure, I think it does a little bit. Uh, is the wrestling business overexposed? One thousand percent. When I, I hate to sound like this old guy, but. <laughs> When I was a kid, back in my day, of course. Um, you know, you got, there was Raw and Nitro on Monday, and that was really the only new programming you would see for an entire week. So you would have to wait until the following Monday to see what was going to happen next. Now, they did have, like, the weekend shows, like the wraparound shows, where they would kind of review what happened on Monday. And then occasionally you would get, like, you know, the stars versus the job guys, like on Worldwide or something like that. Right. But really, you're waiting a full week to get new exclusive content as to where now uh, you can get, you can get, there's the wrestlers on television every single night of the week. Yep. And uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're tired of waiting from one day to the next, you can pull up an app and you can literally have anything that you want at the touch of a button. So there's, you know, the WWE Network, there's Impact Plus, uh, you know, New Japan World, like there's all these yep. streaming services that are that offer so much content and so much wrestling. And God forbid you don't have that, then you can just get on YouTube and pretty much find whatever you want on there too. So, um, so true. 
yes, wrestling's overexposed. Uh, and yes, I think the fans are a little bit spoiled. And yeah, the curtain's been pulled back too. Um, I've been telling guys that I've helped and had a little bit of a hand in training. Will we ever fully convince people again that this is 100% legitimate? I don't think so. I think the curtain's been pulled way too far back at this point. Right. But as long as we can uh, not smack the fans in the face of, all oh, this is uh, predetermined or it's whatever, right. like as long as we're not insulting the audience's intelligence, I think that's kind of our job now is to kind of make logic out of a completely illogical sport. Yeah, no doubt. And going even back to one of your points, yeah, I'm I'm even older than you are. I used to watch wrestling when it was just superstars and it would be just job matches every week. And then once a blue moon, you'd see Hogan come out and he'd cut a promo and then leave. And that's the biggest thing we would see until you'd get the four pay-per-views every... And that's the other thing. We had only four pay-per-views back then a year. And I'm talking WWF because I'm, I'm up here in Canada. We really didn't get NWA and WCW and all that stuff until later on once Nitro started getting popular, right? Yeah. And now the pay-per-view business is done, too. Right? Not, it seems to be that Crazy. way anyways. I mean, I guess now they're called premium live events. Uh, <laughs> so it's just uh, it's just weird, man. Um, you know, uh, it's just they, everything evolves, right? Everything changes. Yeah, no kidding. No, speaking again on internationally, you mentioned it too, New Japan. You had your second uh, match there with them. How was it different from the first time that you wrestled for New Japan? Is there any differences or was it just the same old New Japan? I think I had a lot more confidence the second time around. Uh, you know, the first time I performed in New Japan, I was in a tag match. Uh, it was me and Colt Cabana versus Lance Archer and Shane Taylor. There you go. And uh, I've had a lot of good tag team partners over the years, and I enjoy tag team wrestling. I'm a huge fan of tag team wrestling. Okay. Um, but I've always kind of seen myself as a singles guy. And uh, so... You know, it was a good experience the first time. I think things went great. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been invited back. Sure. Uh, and that was right. We're probably th- we're talking a year or so before the pandemic. So uh, the world shuts down, and then uh, we come back. Uh, and you know, I get invited back uh, and do the singles match with Big Demo. And I just had a, I felt like I had a lot more confidence the second time around. Uh, wrestling demo and uh, you know I've been able to follow the New Japan product a lot more uh, you know recently and so yeah man I just uh, you know when when you're out there on your own and you're not with a tag team partner you know you're only responsible for yourself so I uh, it was either going to be sink or swim and either way it was going to be you know if if I failed I was going to be the only one to blame for it so um, but I'm uh, very excited to be doing more with New Japan Strong coming up soon. Oh, that's awesome to hear. And speaking of evolving, and now imagine going back, seeing you wrestle on Impact, on New Japan, them working together. Like, who would have thought all this would have been possible just five years ago? I tell you, it's uh, it's been a crazy, crazy last couple of years for our sport. Uh, um, you know, that Forbidden Door thing has really uh, taken on a life of its own. And right. you, know, you never know from one week to the next who's going to show up where. And I think, you know, you talked about what's missing from wrestling. I think that's one thing right there is uh, just the the feeling that anything can happen at any time. Right. Um, and uh, I feel like for this last, man, ever since I even got into wrestling, so for the last 14, 15 years, I think the business has kind of grown a little stagnant, a little predictable. Um, but now with 
the, uh, the the rise of several new companies and the presence of a new Japan that has like new Japan has here in the States now, mm-hmm. you know, with them touring more here in the States, you know, I think this, you know, the, the business that we have now is just, I mean, it's opened up an entire, just whole different realm of possibility on uh, what can, what can happen from one week to the next. I mean, you know, this week alone, what Diana Perazzo is going to be on Dynamite, and um, right. <laughs> you know, there's uh, there's other speculation going on right now of who else might show up on Dynamite. Uh, you know, and you never know who's going to show up at Impact. I know this weekend, yeah. you know, there's several stars from New Japan, like Ishii, that's going to, you know, he's going to be returning to Impact Wrestling this Saturday uh, or at Under Siege. I'm not sure when this will drop or when this will air. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, yeah, the Forbidden Door thing, man, is really. You know, we had Christian Cage come in and, you know, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels and all these other people that have just kind of come through out through the doors of Impact Wrestling over the last 10 months or so uh, since I was since I've been there to where when I see these guys walking around the backstage area, I go, what? What are they doing here? This is insane. So if it's exciting for us, the talent, it's got to be exciting for the wrestling fans. And I love the fact that now it's such a global sport. Like you said, it's everywhere like every continent has it like back in the day you never heard of an australian wrestler maybe one or two and that's it or you had like outback jack like they used to make fun of australians like you know what i mean same thing with mexican it would always be the typical mexican wrestler coming in like and uh, all we'd get would be american all the time and that's how it was portrayed and i just love this mix of everything everywhere because it's true if people grew up on wrestling watching it why wouldn't they want to be a wrestler themselves and again grow the sport that way yeah uh, for me, I, I grew up a huge wrestling fan, and I've always wanted to be a part of this business. And um, you know, and, and I think with that comes passion, and you want to see the business succeed. And I think right now we are slowly turning. Uh, you know, everybody always says that the business is kind of up and down and cyclical, and I think we're back on an upswing. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially post pandemic era, and uh, I feel like every week, you know, there's still you know, is it the attitude era? No, it's not the attitude era. You know, millions upon millions are not tuning in every week. Right. But I do think wrestling is still like one of the highest rated shows on any network, uh, you know, from week to week. But also, I don't think that fans are watching TV. Um, it doesn't matter what the show is. I don't that, think fans or people true. tune into TV as much as they did in the 90s because there's just so much. There's so many more options out there now, but I definitely think wrestling's back on an upswing. Yeah, but if you do the math, like people just look at it as the two big shows. They try and rate Dynamite and Raw. I guess SmackDown you could fall into there too now. But if they're not making over a million, then no one's watching. Why don't you add up everything that people watch? Like you said, WWE, New Japan, Fight Network. Look how much independent shits on there. Like you know what I mean? Impact Plus. Add them all up. I think you're there's more people watching everything together than back in the day when it was the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess accessibility has a lot to do with that too. Like, of course, you know, um, yeah, yeah, like you said, you guys didn't even get WCW in Canada. You know, uh, you know, things have just changed, and I think now, you know, um, everybody kind of has access to a little bit of everything. And that's how it should be, of course. And uh, okay, how about this? You also wrestled for Ring of Honor in their 2017 Prospect Tournament. Now, at the time, you were already nine years in the business. What was your initial thoughts when you were invited to participate in said tournament? I was really excited. Um, at the time, I was working a lot for Steve Carino and his independent promotion uh, in the Carolinas. And Steve kind of smartened me up that I would be uh, getting a call. 
Okay. And then a couple weeks later, I got a call from another mentor of mine, Kevin Kelly, who I owe a lot to. Uh, Kevin's been very instrumental in the the progress uh, the the progress of my career, um, and he's just somebody that's taught me a lot of stuff, not only about uh, how to grow as a talent, but a lot of behind the same behind the scenes, uh, you know, aspects of our business. Mm-hmm. So Kevin gave me a call, and he just said. John Scott is Kevin Kelly from Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to invite you to be a part of the top prospect tournament in 2017. Are you interested? And I said, yes. And uh, he said, all right, you're going to get the whopping payday of, and he told me what I was going to be making. And sure. it wasn't a lot of money, but it was for the opportunity. Of course. Uh, not the money at that point. And um, it was a great learning experience. And uh, I got to wrestle in the Hammerstein Ballroom. And, oh, uh, you know, that was a huge deal for me and uh went all the way to the finals with uh with josh woods and i remember thinking to myself again it was a big confidence booster because um i mean i don't mind saying that there were a lot of good guys in that tournament uh, and a lot of guys that have gone on and had various degrees of success but i was the best one in my opinion and uh the fact that i wasn't made an offer coming out of that really lit a fire under me and pissed me off and um I remember even saying, well, there's going to be more opportunity. Or uh, I remember asking, you know, if there's anything I needed to change or do different or mm-hmm. what do I need to do to get more opportunity here at Ring of Honor? And at the time, I was just kind of told, well, more opportunity is going to come your way. Just be patient. And, uh, you know, nothing really ever did. Nothing really ever came out of it. So I remember it really lit a fire under me and pissed me off because, sure. you know, if it's the top prospect tournament, mm-hmm. I feel like I was the top prospect. I feel like I was the best one in terms of interviews, in terms of in-ring work, however you want to measure it. I felt like I was the best one. Uh, and I don't, I, that might ruffle some feathers, but I don't really care. Um, so uh, it was still a good experience for me either way. It right. gave me television time. It gave me time to travel and be a part of Ring of Honor. And yeah. that's something I don't take, uh, for granted, uh, it's it was it was a it was a good experience either way. Now speaking of experiences, how was your time with the few times you worked with WWE? Um, always great. Um, I got to do a lot of cool stuff with them, so it's almost unfair to kind of um, try to sum it up briefly. But you know, I uh, man, I just you know. F- I probably did 40 to 45 matches on television. Oh, I did shit. a handful of dark matches. Okay. I did a handful of live events. I did WrestleMania access. I did like all this other stuff. Oh, um, there you go. And it was always good. It was always a fun experience for the most part. Uh, you know, again, it's just valuable TV time. And I always feel like um, the timing never really was right for me. Uh mm. For whatever reason, and that's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to explain or put into words. Sure. But it just seemed like either I wasn't what they were looking for, or I was just a little bit. I, I guess the best way to put it was I was never really what they were looking for okay. uh, at the at that time. But um, man, I got to work with a lot of great people. Uh, you know, I did a dark match with Kane. <laughs> like you know, it's just like in, insane. Like the kid and me watching Kane debut in 1997 and rip the cell door off and, you know, Tombstone Undertaker, like I'm sitting there watching him make his entrance going, what is this life that I'm living? This is insane. Um, but a lot of good experiences. I've got to wrestle a lot for WWE in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And going back to that first show that I went to in 93, where I saw Arn for the first time, you know, that was in the Township Auditorium. I got to wrestle in the Township Auditorium for NXT mm-hmm. on, a, on a live event. So that was something that uh, really meant a lot to me, that they thought that highly of me to give me that kind of opportunity to do a house show in my oh. hometown uh, and give me some time to go out and wrestle in the building that I first saw wrestling at as a kid. So right. I remember thinking after that night, Hey, if my uh, if my life story were to end tomorrow, <laughs> that would be a great place to to have the in credits roll. So I'm very thankful for WWE. They gave me a lot of uh, opportunities over the years, and sure. I don't think that door is fully shut. Um, I definitely think there will be an opportunity for me again there in the future. In what capacity? I'm not sure because things change there a lot. Right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, I've always had a good rapport with a lot of the people at WWE. And, uh, yeah, I'm very thankful for every opportunity that they gave me. No, that's cool. Now, coming into the so-called big show, no pun intended, what's one thing that just blew your mind or you had no idea that you took away from your experience at WWE? Um, whoosh. Uh, man, just really how fast everything moves there. Um, you know, like you got all these different people with all these different jobs, you know, you got writers, you got stagehands, you got wrestlers, you got management, you got (laughs) talent relations, you got travel, you got all these things. And like, everybody's always scrambling. It seems, you know, it seems like there's never enough hours in the day. Like I remember we used to get there at like noon and I felt (laughs) like as a talent, you know, we're just having to sit around all day doing nothing but you see all these other people and all these moving parts it was really a little overwhelming to see this company that has all these people doing all these different things and then you think about it and you go like you know holy shit they do this every week i know right in a different town every (laughs) week this is just like the insanity of all this is just insane so that just sounded really redundant but uh um anyways uh probably that um but i'll also got good advice or great advice actually when i first started going there because they would put a lot of us local guys with william regal and i remember regal telling me one of my first times there you know you have no time to be nervous here you know we don't want people that are nervous so you need to act like you belong and it is kind of like a cold hard slap in the face as that was it was true and it kind of also in a weird way kind of put me at ease mm. like we don't have we don't want people that are nervous that like you belong here of course. I was like, mm, damn okay <laughs> all right and then i kind of like in a weird way kind of relaxes you a little bit well and speaking of regal like you said like the aha moments in wrestling are back like who would have thought you would have seen regal on dynamite now being a mentor to a stable like you know from one week to the next like that guy was the so-called blood and heart of nxt now all of a sudden aew now how was your time with aew because you did have a dark match correct i had several oh, uh, shit. So, okay. crazy story the pandemic happens uh well let me back up i had a wwe okay. tryout at the performance center okay and the day i reported for my tryout uh was the day we started finding out about all this covid stuff oh my god um, that sucks it's the day the day the news broke about like tom hanks and his wife oh shit it's, <laughs> it's the day that like ncaa basketball yeah uh stopped their season or canceled their season like everything was shutting down or canceling whatever uh they bring us all to the performance center literally like 90 of us i want to say oh wow they flew us all in okay uh we did our medical work we report to the performance center and then they met they have a meeting with us and say look 
we don't know what's going on right now in the world. Uh, essentially, this performance center is not equipped right now to hold a tryout because we're going to need it to tape Raw, oh, SmackDown, and okay. probably WrestleMania. Oh. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, what is going on? Like, this is insane. Right. So they flew us all in. They fly us all right back home, like 90 people. Wow. Uh, so the tryout kind of got postponed. It got canceled. Well, then everything shuts down, and I'm at the gym one day with my buddy just working out, and it was his private gym. Right. That's the only way we could work out was because literally all the gyms were closed. Yeah. Everything was closed. Exactly. Like, you, you probably know. It's probably worse up there, but, you know, everything was shut down. Yeah. And so I'm starting to think, like, how am I going to make money? How am I going to make a living? How am I going to survive? Mm-hmm. And I got a text message from uh, – QT Marshall at uh, AEW, and he just asked, hey, would you be interested in coming down and doing some dark matches? I said, of course, when when do you want me to come in? And this is probably on a Monday. He said, what about this Wednesday? (laughs) (laughs) I said, said, yeah, man, sure. Uh, I'd be happy to. And I go down. Uh, My first uh, match was a tag with Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. As soon as I get to the back, uh, I've, I've known Billy Gunn. For a while, uh, Billy's always, you know, uh, he would he would hate me saying this, but Billy's always been a friend of mine. That <laughs> um, Billy likes to pretend to be miserable all the time, sure. so uh, he likes to pick on me. But um, <laughs> uh, as soon as I did the match with Joey and Sonny, Billy said, "Hey, can you come back next week and work me? Because oh. um, they want they want me to do a match on Dark. Right. I'd like to work with you. Sure, no problem. Do the match with Billy, and then like." They brought me back a third week. I do a tag with the Dark Order. As I'm doing the tag with Dark Order, I tear my ACL, my MCL, and my PCL. Oh. And, and have to have knee surgery. And then I was out about... Um, it was projected that I was going to be out eight to ten months. Right. And I got back in seven. Sure. So, uh, come back after the layoff and then did a couple more darks okay. uh, and a couple things on Dynamite, a couple things on Elevation. Um, I remember the two matches that, I, that really stood out to me that I really enjoyed were my singles with John Silver and uh, my singles with Orange Cassidy. Oh, Because okay. um, I got some time to wrestle those guys. I think they're both great. They're both ex- like incredible talents. Um past that i just remember they always would stick me with a lot of the bigger guys for whatever <laughs> reason like i had to wrestle archer and brian cage and luchasaurus right. and billy gunn and it's just like guys can i just work somebody like my size <laughs> so um but yeah it was a it was a good experience and everybody from the evps to tony uh they took really good care of me when i was out with that knee injury uh i've said this before on other podcasts right. and other uh you know whatever interviews um you know, when I got injured, uh, they made sure I was taken care of. They mm. brought me back every week and paid me uh, and allowed me to do rehab and, uh, you know, uh, rehab on my knee with their medical team there in Jacksonville. That's something that for a guy that didn't have a contract, it's unheard of. Right. Uh, so I'm always very, very grateful to everybody there, Tony Khan and the entire EVPs and their medical team, Doc Sampson, uh, Bryce Reddy. You know, uh, you know everybody there, Brad, um, and then the rest of the team there, the medical team. They were all great to me. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, and that's class act. That is, that's very rare nowadays, especially. Okay, so now you're with Impact. You mentioned tag team. How about this? I know you're. You say you're primarily 
singles and you've had tag teams before in the past. What if you were put into an actual legit tag team and they wanted you to run with it? Would you be okay with that? Or would you be like, ah, you know what? I just want to, you know, just do singles until I'm done. Uh, no, I'm always open to any suggestions. Uh, and if it gets you on television, I say do it. Um, you know, uh, am I open for suggestions for tag teams? Yeah, I don't want to just be stuck or thrown together with somebody. That's I think what I mean, that, yeah. the chemistry would have to be there. And, of course, sometimes you don't know if the chemistry is there or not right from the get-go. You, it takes time. But um, I would definitely be open to be putting uh, to being put in a tag team scenario, yeah. Okay, how about I, I, I usually don't do dream scenario or belt or whatever. I don't want to do anyone current. Anyone that's retired, if you could pick someone from the past to be your best tag team for whatever reason that you think would mold well with you, and what would be your names? <laughs> Uh, okay, so this is gonna be um, what would our name? I, I don't. I wouldn't. I'm gonna be. Able, I'm not that creative. I'm not gonna be able to come up with a name. But uh, somebody that I've really patterned myself after, uh, that I've always enjoyed um, watching their work is Fit Finley. Mm, um, so I could see maybe that. Fit Finley uh, and me, and uh, we would be some sort of bruiser tag team. So I'm not sure what uh what we could call ourselves but um fit finley would be a great partner uh arn anderson would have been a great tag team partner for me yeah, uh, another too. one that seemed a little off the wall might be jamie noble because oh. jamie noble somebody that i've always kind of patterned myself after as well or tried to anyways yeah. um so uh yeah there's i just you asked for one tag team partner i just gave you three no that's awesome and again back to impact have you ever worked with them before your recent run with them now or is this your first time uh, yeah, so I had a tryout. Uh, my first tryout with Impact was a dark match at the Impact Zone back in 2012. Okay. I wrestled uh, one of my best friends in wrestling, uh, former tag team partner of mine, uh, now one half of FTR, uh, oh, Cash Wheeler. There you go. We uh, we did a gut check, and there was mm. probably like 20 to 25 guys at the gut check. Okay. Uh, and it was just like an in-ring workout ran by D'Lo Brown before like a house show in mm. Charlotte. Sure. And uh, me and Cash were the only two that they said, okay, we want to give you guys a shot. So out of 25, um, me and Cash were the two that they brought in and we did a, we did a tryout. Uh, I kind of knew, like the second we walked into the impact zone for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I could just kind of read the room. I didn't think we were going to get hired that day. Oh, shit. Uh, spoiler alert. We didn't get hired. That day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I think it turned out okay for both of us, but um they had like they had a bunch of people sitting at home at the time. This was okay. in the, the Hogan Bischoff, ah, you know, right. uh, regime. Sure, um, but um, you know they had they had a lot of people sitting at home, and just logistically speaking, if you've got 10, 15 guys sitting at home that you're paying, why are you going to bring us to Jim Oaks that you've never heard of on, and uh, you know put two more guys on your payroll? Uh, you know, just, you know, like, I just didn't think it was going to work out at that time, and it didn't, and that's okay. Uh, that's a huge learning lesson for a lot of guys, hopefully, in wrestling and girls. Nice. It's just because somebody says no, it's no, not right now. It's not no forever. Exactly. So, um, and then I did a couple of other things, too. I did a dark match before Bound for Glory back in 2015 okay. in Charlotte. Um, that's a whole nother wild story. I really don't have time to get into, but um, it's uh, it was just a crazy, crazy day that uh, 
it's the most TNA thing that's ever happened to me. But um, <laughs> anyways, uh, and that was about it. Uh, you know, every now and then I would do some of the shoots at the Hardy compound just because I've known Matt and Jeff from okay. the Carolinas. Yeah. And uh, makes sense. Yeah. Eventually, I started doing a lot of shows for Luke Gallows because he's a buddy of mine. Okay. Uh, Larry Auto Pro down in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, their shows run on Impact Plus as well. So that's kind of the cool thing about Impact Plus is you also have access to some indie content. Um, Gallows had me come in and help with some of the seminars oh. that him and Scott Demore were, were running. And all I would do when I would help with these seminars is I would get in there and be the guy that kind of ran the drills with the guys. That was oh, about it. So okay. Scott and Gallows could kind of evaluate talent. Right, right. And after doing enough of those, Gallows would uh, have me wrestle guys like Josh Alexander, nice. guys like Rich Swan, and a few others. Uh, Swinger. Um, can't remember who else, but it was right after one of my matches with, uh, with Rich Swan. Okay. Uh, Demore pulled me aside and made me an offer and nice. asked if I was interested in coming to Impact Wrestling. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it all happened very, very quickly, and it's crazy because, you know, you wait 13 years and you grind it out, and it's just like a matter of like a day or two. You know, I made an offer, I accept, and then the contract sent over, and I signed it. I signed my first wrestling contract on my mom's birthday. Oh, so, wow. Again, see, yeah. it's meant to be. All these signs, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild how it all works out, so... Yeah, no kidding. Okay, now, I, I don't want to say which is the best locker room you ever walked into because that's not fair to, to put it out there. But how about this? The one that you've had, like, the most fun or that you love going to because either all your friends are there or for whatever reason, just because of the atmosphere. Uh, this is going to sound super, like, cliche and eye-rolling, okay. but I'm going to go Impact Wrestling. Okay, uh, no, that's fair. We have a tremendous, tremendous locker room. Okay. Um, the morale is always great. There's all these like inside jokes. Guys are always laughing, having a good time. You're always excited to go to work. You're excited to see everybody. Uh, not really any bad apples, you know. Nice. Uh, do people butt heads? Yeah, of course it's wrestling. But you know, I mean, like, I, I thoroughly, if I'm ever left off of a TV or a loop, I'm very disappointed. And mm-hmm. a lot of it's more so the fact that I don't get to see my buddies. <laughs> So. No, that makes sense. Of course, of course. Okay, now, before we get to the worst story of the week, you brought up teaching and seminars and all that. Is this something you want to do eventually, say, in the future, once your actual in-ring career is over? Uh, yeah, so um, I haven't done many seminars. I've done a few. Okay. Um, you know, because my only big thing is, is I'm still learning this business. Uh, I learn something every time I go out. I go. know I've never been a big top draw. I've never been even a real huge top guy on television so if i get put on a flyer of hey john schuyler's coming to teach a seminar like who would want to go you know um i do think i have a lot to offer in terms of i've had 1400 matches i've wrestled in over a dozen countries i've been featured you know i've been on television with and i've got tv experience but um uh, so I'm very selective about the seminars that I do. That's okay. what I'm trying to say. I just uh, opened up like my booking email, so bookjohnskyler at gmail dot com, mm-hmm. uh, where I am accepting seminar um, bookings, along with obviously wrestling and appearances, autograph signings, things like that. So I'm open to doing seminars, and I'm open to coaching one day. I mean, I might even be open to producing um, because. Guys like Kevin Kelly, you know, 
you know, they and Carino and so many others have taught me so much about everything behind the scenes as well. Right. So it's definitely something I wouldn't mind uh, dabbling in in the future, and it's something that I'd be open to for sure. Yeah, because I was going to ask, even anything like backstage, for example, and you mentioned so. How about even being a promoter, running your own wrestling promotion? Would you ever do that? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I've, uh, I've helped friends uh, run shows in the past, sure. and uh, the risk reward offer, or the I'm sorry, risk reward ratio is sure. just not worth it to me. Uh, very rarely do you uh, make money as a promoter, um, and I'm okay with never ever doing that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, my friend. I don't blame you. And also w- with the teaching. Have you ever had like students or anyone attending classes that you're like, man, I'm trying to be nice, but you got to find another career. Like, you know what I mean? Are there just some people that are just so blind to their own skill? Yeah. And so I, I've seen people uh, come in that just after whatever reason or after a while, for whatever reason, you just see that it's just not coming to them. It's, it's, oh, they're not okay. picking up on things. Yeah, yeah. So instead of completely saying you need to find something else to do for a living, yeah. I try to find something else for them to do in wrestling. Oh, smart. So I've had, um, I've had actually two or three guys that trained at the same school as me. They just couldn't get the wrestling part for okay. whatever reason. They, they came to, to, to train to be wrestlers and I encouraged them to be referees. Mm. And they actually both turned out to be incredible referees. One of them right now actually works for the NWA. And uh, Billy Corgan, he's actually a great official at mm. the NWA. Uh, his name's Jared Fritz. So, um, you know, there's... It, I, I I know that if somebody like told me, like, hey, you're the shits as a wrestler, <laughs> uh I would immediately come back with, okay, is there something else I can do though? Because I'd still, I think want to be around the business in some form or fashion. So I wouldn't want to like discourage or break anybody's heart or kind of chase them away from their dreams. But sometimes you do have to be a little bit, you know, you got to be brutally honest with people. Some, some people weren't cut out for it and that's okay. Um, you know, so I, I try not to completely turn and shun people away from wrestling, but I try to find other things for them to do in the business that I think that they would be good at. Yeah, no, I like that because it's true. Not every fan is good at what they watch. Hence, if that was the case, then everyone would be a baseball player, a football player. Like, how many people watch those sports, right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, look at my own career, for example. Like, would I love to be world champion? Yeah. Would I love to be intercontinental champion? Hell Yeah. Would I love to be in the main event of WrestleMania? Of course. These are all things I'd still like to do one day. Are they going to happen? Who knows? Uh, you know, when you get told you're a utility player, you know, uh, or a journeyman or whatever, you got to take it and roll with it. You know, try to prove people wrong or whatever. But, you know, the other the other thing real quick, and I'll wrap it up on this, no, is uh, wrestling is kind of the only, uh, professional wrestling is kind of the only sport where the best players don't always play. Yes. And I think a lot of guys and girls lose sight of the fact that we are entertainment and we're being casted for a role, no mm-hmm. different than any other movie or television series. So if uh, somebody says, John Schuyler, you're the utility player, this is the role you're casted in, then that's just the role you get casted in. You don't have to take it. You can go elsewhere and try something else. Sure. Uh, but if you want the money or you want the TV time or you want whatever comes along with that role, then you take the role. So, um, but, uh, again, I'm very happy, uh, with the career that I've had over the last 14 years. And I 
look forward to hopefully being around at least 14 more. No, that's awesome to hear. Well, my friend, are you ready for the word story of the week? Let's do it. Okay, so how about this? Have you ever attended a wedding where something went horribly wrong and it needed to end it early for whatever reason? Uh, so uh, I've not been able to attend a lot of weddings at all over the last few years. That is but, true. But uh, um, I, I, no, I can't say that I have. <laughs> okay, well, I actually have been to one. This is not the word story, but this is pretty out there but someone blew up the woman's washroom with the runs and it was like all <laughs> over the walls the ceiling the toilet didn't work i don't know it's i'm under the assumption someone put a cherry bomb or something it had to be because i i can't see a human being being able to do that like that is it's just and it was like a small intimate wedding and it was only like one washer for the men one for the women and so they had to end but it, it didn't really end that early it was like at 11 at night so it wasn't too too bad but this week's story comes from florida where a wedding of approximately about 50 people was taking place when about a couple hours in, a few of the guests started to fall violently ill, some even feeling just like weird and not themselves, and even some being not able to move and getting the giggles and shit. So if you had to guess, what do you think was going on at this wedding? Hmm. Right? I don't know. Um, maybe uh, maybe the cake was laced with something I don't know so you're right (laughs) so the apparently the bride and the chef decided to lace all the food that they ate with fucking weed not just a cake everything oh boy everything on the menu was laced with fucking weed and not any weed it was like the strongest weed that they could get their hands on jeez Right? So if it's someone who likes to dabble in it, like someone like myself, so to speak, I would probably be fine and having a good time. But, like, imagine, like, your grandmother or even your parents or someone who's never had edibles or weed in their life. Like, they literally think they're probably dying. Their heart's beating super fast, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine my uh, Aunt Janet if she were to eat weed at her wedding. That'd be very, very uh, peculiar. So, and I don't even think you're supposed to eat weed at all. I mean... I don't know. I'm sure you can, like edibles and stuff like that. But right, yeah, wow. Especially if you're not expecting it, that would, yeah, that would make the dance, the the post wedding dancing at the at the reception, be a lot of fun, I guess. <laughs> no kidding. So the the wedding was shut down at about nine o'clock when the ambulances and cops started showing up because everyone was calling nine one one. Jeez. This is ridiculous. So the bride and groom and the chef are all going to get charged, apparently. And when asked why, the bride just mentioned, I thought it would be a great gift for my guests. There you go. It was a, it was a, it was a gift from the heart that made the heart speed up and beat really fast. Oh, man, this world. I'm telling you, no one has shame and everyone just doesn't think properly. I don't know. What can you do? What yeah. can you do? Well, John, thanks a million for coming on. Really appreciate you giving me your time. Plug your shit where anyone could find you. Any upcoming shows? Yeah, people can follow me on Twitter at the John Skyler S K Y L E R. Same thing on Instagram. Uh, I've got a pro wrestling tea store YouTube channel. Um, you know, and then if you're gonna if you're interested in booking me for seminars, appearances, wrestling shows, it's bookjohnskyler at gmail.com. Uh, people can catch me every Thursday night Impact Wrestling on Access TV. Uh, we've got tons of events coming up. Uh, and we're going to be on the road again. Well, we're, we're on the road again now, but um, you know we'll be coming to Atlanta, 
Uh, we're going back to Philadelphia, Chicago, Nashville for Slammiversary, um, you know, yes. which is going to be big this June because it's the 20th anniversary of Impact Wrestling. So that'll be a big event for everybody involved. Uh, and then I'm also still taking independent bookings as well and, um, you know, doing a lot, like I said, for uh, uh, Doc Gallows and Larry Otto Pro down in Georgia. I've got tons of things in the Carolinas, the Florida area. And then people can also catch me on New Japan Strong. I have a couple more things coming up for them that haven't been announced yet, but uh, nice. stuff I'm very, very excited about. Beautiful. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because what helps them almost definitely helps me out. And most importantly, please, each and every week, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. Now, one last question before I let you go. I know you recently have a new entrance theme and it's available on spotify and all that fun stuff and we didn't even get to it because to me it's a banger and it's perfect for a wrestler like all where the beats drop and where the guitar and all this comes in i could see someone coming out as an entrance with it beautiful my friend now my question is what's one of your favorite or top favorite entrance themes of all time oh man so um we didn't get into this earlier either but uh you know uh big heavy metal fan big hockey fan as well and we had a local hockey team for a while minor league here in columbia called the columbia inferno and i used to go to the games all the time okay okay. the song they would come out to was the game by motorhead oh shit uh, (laughs) and i remember it just always got me amped Uh, um probably uh probably triple h uh you know that uh time to play the game uh just because big metal fan or classic rock so motorhead uh, so pretty much like anything that they put out for wrestling, the Evolution theme, uh, and then for the other sure. theme song that they did for Hunter later on, the King of Kings. So, yeah. but probably, probably the game by Motorhead. Nice. On that note, he's John. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. <laughs>